Hello, welcome to the D&D Roundtable presented by The Tome Show. Please use the affiliate links on thetomeshow.com whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. We'd also like to thank our sponsor for this podcast, noblenight.com, where Out of Print is available again. They have D&D and other tabletop RPGs. Any edition, any product. With Noble Knight, Out of Print is available again, and you can even sell them your old gaming products you aren't using anymore. Today on the show, we're talking about skills and rules modules in D&D Next, as well as the future of Dungeon and Dragon magazines. I'm your host and roundtable creator, James Intricasso. You can find me on Twitter at James Intricasso. With me at the roundtable today are Greg Blair. Howdy. Vegas Lancaster. That's me. Rudy Basso. And Alex Basso. Hello. All right, guys, and to introduce yourselves to the crowd, why don't you tell us what your favorite moment at the table has been? And uh, we'll start with Vegas. Uh, My favorite moment is first discovering bullywogs. What a silly, (laughs) pathetic (laughs) race of frog people. (laughs) They deserve death. Everyone. <laughs> All right, Rudy Basso. Uh, splitting the party always a bad idea, but at one point we had an epic battle where we had to split the party. Else, we all died. It's really cinematic. It was a cool moment, and it will always be in my memories. Haha, <laughs> I remember that well and fondly. Uh, and Greg, um, at a virtual table, but playing a. Oof. Uh, an, a mutants and masterminds game set in the city of Sigil, picking up James's giant hulking cleric and leaping out of a huge tower window. <laughs> that was probably my my favorite gaming moment. That was excellent. I'm so glad I was there for all of these great moments. <laughs> and uh, Alex Basso. Uh, back and forth, Ed. First character, level 29 ranger, doing over a thousand damage to a dragon in one turn. So basically what I built my character for, and it actually happened in a game. So excited. I remember that as well. I cried myself to sleep that night. All right, guys. So to get us started, we're going to talk about the end of Dungeon & Dragon magazines. They've gone on hiatus until the new edition comes out. So what are your feelings about the content when the creation of 4th edition, the magazine's moved over to online because print isn't doing that great and the Mm. content got uh, a lot slimmer as well a lot of people have said that they're not big fans of the magazines now that it's not worth the cost of D&D Insider if that's all you're getting and it seemed in Chris Perkins article that he was promising a new revamped version of these magazines when they relaunch in the summer so my question to you is what sort of content would you like to see and would get you to buy a subscription to these magazines? Uh, and Greg, why don't we start with you? I used to get Dragon and Dungeon back when they were in print and stopped when they went to DDI. I think it would take a lot to get me to get a subscription for that. But one of the things that they could bring back that would draw me in a lot would be a, an old feature they used to run called Bizarre of the Bizarre. And... and I don't know why, but I have kind of this weird obsession with like the weird, wondrous items style of magic item. So, and that was all, all sorts of weird stuff, you know. So, not just sword plus one kind of deal, but all like figurines of wondrous power, but stranger ones, kind of stuff like that. So, if they bring back kind of more of those, a little more out there features, I'd think about it. 
but I want more stuff like that. Just not feats. Yeah. Uh, I also would love to see the print come back. Maybe it's just one special issue with the release of D&D Next. I think that would be a good way to start getting people back into the idea of these two magazines. And since they're not in print anymore, I feel like there should be more content. Like you'd think if it's an online magazine, that that's a lot easier. You don't have to get to the printer. All you got to do is edit it. All you got to do is proofread it. Why were they late all the time? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's definitely true. How about uh, Alex Basso? What are your thoughts on this? Be honest. I mean, I do like the feats and the content and stuff just because I always think it's a fun read, but I don't really like what it can do to the game. Like if they keep, you know, if they feel like they have to add in new character builds, new feats every month, at that point, you're just getting so much bloat. Um, so, I mean, with new modules, which they're, they're talking about a lot, hopefully they can have, you know, maybe a, some information on new modules or alternate ways to play. Um, that could be kind of a new feature that they haven't had in the past. That could be a big part of dragons. Um, and I, I mean, like, I do like the contents, so try, I want them to find that perfect balance of getting new game ideas there without adding too much too fast. I would love to see things that can be applied at the table. I'm hoping that we do see a lot of rules modules coming out. And I'm hoping we see also a lot more advice and things to buy. And, you know, it would be cool to read an article about how to play a modern setting of D&D or something really out there. And I think D&D Next is going to allow you to do that. But who knows? We'll see. Vegas, what are you thinking? I think it's it's pretty uh, pretty tough sell to try to get me on board with paying for a monthly subscription to Dragon or Dungeon at this point. Um, uh, you know, have a Dragon blog, have a Dungeon blog, uh, put out some advice on how to play. I always like reading the uh the big dms like chris perkins and stuff their advice on what makes a good game at the table uh what you can do to make your game stronger outside of the rules but just in how you're playing i think that's fun yes more chris perkins all the time thank you (laughs) (laughs) well and chris perkins is actually stepping away from the magazines because he's going to be more in charge of keeping D&D consistent across a lot of platforms, which I think is actually really good. It's somebody everybody likes, and he's going to be going to make sure that everything from the tabletop RPG to video games to mobile platforms to books and stuff all has a consistency. And so an orc in everything feels like a D&D orc in one kind of way or another. And I think that's good for him, especially since he's been involved in putting out a lot of products lately so quick survey going around the table i just want to make sure it sounds like most of you would prefer the content of dungeon and dragon be free and then you would pay your monthly subscription for the other things that ddi is offering such as character builder possibly any other support they could give i don't even want to say it because i'm afraid i'll jinx it but like a game table perhaps Mm -hmm. or a compendium (laughs) or a monster builder would really be what would keep you coming back am i am i correct in saying that yeah that would be the main draw for me Dungeons and dragon would just be gravy after that Yeah, like I keep saying, I think you should be paying a subscription fee and you get the whole game for it. And you've got all the content digitally and 
you know, your apps like a character builder and hopefully a great game table. And then uh, you've got the writers putting some neat stuff out every month on the website in addition to it. Noble Knight is a long-standing game store specializing in finding out-of-print games while also offering the newest great releases. Including D&D? They got it from any edition. That's right, all of them. What if I want a board game? Card game, minis, or dice? Noble Knight has it all and at a discounted price. In fact, Noble Knight has over 30,000 unique items on stock. And you know you can trust this Better Business Bureau accredited store with a satisfaction guarantee. Yeah, but I've bought too many things over the years. How can I justify spending even more? Good thing we're talking about Noble Knight then. They'll buy your old gaming things and offer you cash or trade. So you'll be able to keep up with all the great gaming stuff you want. Check them out at noblenight.com. Wow, I'll go today. And be sure to tell them the Tome Show sent you. So let's move on, guys. Let's talk about skills in D&D next. We've talked about feats. We've talked about classes and races. This is the next place, I think, for us to go. Overall, how are you guys feeling about skills? Uh, And I think I'm actually going to start with this. I feel pretty good about the incarnation they have. I know they've gone through a lot of different things. The one thing I'm sort of not excited to see is the very first concept was you would add the skill bonus to any abilities to check related to what the skill was. So if you were trained in athletics, you could climb a mountain with your strength check and apply your athletics as per normal, or you could also assess how hard a cliff face was to climb by rolling an intelligence check and also adding your athletics modifier. Obviously, that's something a DM can still do at the table, but I like that encouragement of, hey, skills are more malleable and they can be added to more than just this one particular ability role. I'd like to see that come back, but overall I'm pretty happy with the proficiency system that they have so far, and I love that it's built into your background as well as your class. So you get some from your class, you get some from your background. Seems like a good balance to me. But what are you thinking, Rudy? I don't like the skill list, and they used it in previous iterations as well. I would like to see that compressed to even less, to, to maybe five categories. One like social, one like strength uh, kind of maneuvers or something involving athletics. I think that it's hard to different. I think if you're a person who's good at diplomacy, then you're probably also good at bluff or intimidate. I think like... Game of Thrones has showed us that someone like Littlefinger can be terrifying as well as a good liar, as well as, um, you know, diplomatic when he has to be. I don't necessarily like them being separate. I would love to see skills have nothing to do with your class, too. Um, I think that they should level separate. This is, you know, game designer hat, but I think it'd be really cool if they were leveled separately from your class level, that as you use your diplomacies in in a in a situation that that levels on its own and grits better because that's what real life is like as you talk more and get better at certain things you get better at them as you do them more so so let me i just want to follow up rudy do you think it would be better to do away with skills and just have ability checks you know so charisma you just make a charisma check rather than a diplomacy or a bluff or a persuasion check yeah, I guess those could be your categories. I'm not 
too sure how wisdom would work, but <laughs> I think that, uh, yeah, for the most part, those fit as the categories that could be used for skills. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, that's an interesting thought, Rudy. I guess you could just get rid of skills entirely, and uh, uh, as they've been saying, D&D Next is modular, so if you want to, go ahead and just use ability scores for your, uh, for your skills there. Uh, I, I, I'm curious about how you think leveling skills up by using them would work in a pen and paper mm. RPG. Because that is a lot of separate experience points to keep track of. Uh, keep a check mark next to every time you use a skill. When you hit a certain amount, it goes up. Maybe that doesn't sound like a terrible idea. It's does just it? I, successful rolls. It seems like it might be builds or up. Why check marks are hard to follow? Well, <laughs> I don't I know. S- it's just an idea. It's just an idea. Yeah, I think they are hard to follow. Harder than you might think because when you get. People, when you ask people to try to track their ammo, you know, or their weight, that should be something that's pretty easy. We're talking addition and subtraction, and it's hard. <laughs> but I wonder if, because you're being rewarded for each check mark you make, would people be more likely to keep track of it as opposed to crap? We've got to go back to town and buy more arrows because I ran out. <laughs> you know, I think that's actually I, that would be a good social experiment, and I bet they are more likely to keep track of it if they're going to be rewarded for it. Um, I don't know if I would go so far as to say that I'd like to get rid of all the skills. I actually like the the new skill list. I do wish, like you were saying, James, that they hadn't kind of gone back as much to the old school. Um, Ways I feel like they were trying a nifty experiment with what you're talking about with the athletics example. And the playtest for me has, has been a chance for them to try new things and then dial it back like uh, with that crazy sorcerer, with the skills. So I'm pretty happy with where they're at right now. Actually, I like that, that a little bit of your skill training comes from your class and a little bit of it comes from the background. I think that's cool how that comes together. I like that it's mostly determined by the background instead of the class. So it really allows people to kind of de- define their character in a more customizable way. So overall, I'd say I'm pretty happy with where they're at. Uh, I'm just going to say I miss the uh, third edition skill points. You guys remember that? Yeah, man. Yeah. yeah. I, I, you know, kind of how Rudy's saying when you use it. You know, it gets better. I miss the skill points when you level because you can kind of customize your character more around like what's going on, and I I like having more customization for your character. So I do miss that. I wish there was a they could go back to that. Um, the list itself, I think it's a good good amount of skills. Um, everything I think seems to make sense. Nothing that seems out of place really. Sure. Yeah. In third, you had the option of min maxing. This sort of min maxes for you. This approach. Uh, so as far as the number system in third goes uh it's just a lot of stuff to keep track of i like a i like a nice streamlined um skill system let me take a look at the skill list they have here all right so there's no dungeoneering (laughs) how are we gonna do without dungeoneering in dungeons and dragons you get a dwarf (laughs) people love that skill right I think the idea is that ability checks are king and the skill gives you a bonus rather than you have to have the skill to have any chance at succeeding in a 
somewhat difficult check, um, which I like that idea of instead of you have to be a specialist, if you're smart, you might know what it is you're looking for, even if you haven't read the specific text on the plants that are in the forest where your party is trudging through. Uh, I just like to see class skills just um, completely gone away with. I like the idea of all skills being open to everyone um, and not restricted. Well, Just so you can choose whatever you want. Yeah, and we talked earlier, you can create your own background, so you can choose a couple skills of your choice. I think people would be upset if the rogue didn't get some extra skills, because the rogue is kind of the skill guy. And I, it would be weird mm-hmm. to play yeah. a cleric who's not trained in religion, or a wizard who doesn't know anything about arcana. But I think that choice could be made... And it could be very interesting to play a wizard who has just read spell books but hasn't read anything else in the Arcana thing. So he's smart. Maybe it's just all natural ability. Right, right. But instead, he's really stealthy. He spent most of his time hiding rather than in the library reading about other stuff. I do also want to talk about tools because I think a lot of skills have been supplemented with tool proficiency so they don't have thieve skills or pick lock or thievery whatever you want to call it instead you're proficient with thieves tools now and you add that to your dexterity bonus and they looks like they've made it a lot of times so that tools and skills don't also stack so there's no longer a ride skill you're proficient with a mount and you add your proficiency bonus to that and it doesn't stack also with a ride skill how do you feel about that alex uh i like it i mean because in the past i feel like uh you know for like thieves tools you know you had to have them if you were a thief because they gave you that necessary bonus that could push you over um and i like that you know these tools provide another way uh for, you know, not classes you wouldn't expect with thievery to um, to get that skill. Yeah, which is pretty cool. I do like that idea that you could have a specific background and then be a ranger who also has thieves tools and then you can help out the party by disarming traps. You don't have to have the rogue. And I love that, that you yeah. don't have to have one specific class. If you don't have a cleric, you can still get healed. I love that about Next. And I love that about 4E as well. All right, guys, so there's something I want to talk about now related to skills, which is a couple of weeks ago on the Tome Show's latest playtest packet review, Jeff got into it with Sam and Tracy because he didn't think that there should be a separate search and a separate perception skill. And I am in complete agreement with him. I think it's bizarre to have all of these skills that sort of combine a couple of skills of old like athletics is jumping and swimming and climbing and uh dexterity acrobatics is balance and tumble together that kind of thing stealth is move silently and hide but all of a sudden we have to break up perception into two different skills and i understand one is for when you are actively searching and the other one is a little passive but it even says in the packet that things can be muddy and you cannot know which one to use and i think if you're trying to attract new players with an addition and i think that if you are trying 
to make things simple and more streamlined, why would you muddy the water by having two separate things? Why not go back to that old design of skills where you can apply a perception check to both a wisdom or an intelligence check, and then you can go from there and say, great, you're actively searching through things, make an intelligence check and add your perception modifier if you have it. Or, hey, you're sitting there uh, guarding your party who is sleeping around the campfire, this is a wisdom perception check. Now, I know that this is not a popular opinion amongst the fellows I have gathered around the round table today, so I'm going to give them a chance to dissent. But before I begin, I would like to remind everyone that Rudy said the skill list should be smaller and not larger. So, Rudy, why don't you tell us why you dissent in this opinion and how this relates to your last point? I can't get my way officially, so I might as well embrace the 18 skills and say that I do think there is a difference between being perceptive and actively searching for something. And the way I'll put it is perception is your your spatial awareness. If you were to walk into a room and say, all right, um, I want to roll a perception check on this room, then the DM can let you know something feels off. Or if you roll high, you feel like this would be a great place to set up an ambush. If you walk into a room and say, I searched the room, that's not specific enough, I feel like. I think you need to say, okay, I searched for an ambush. Or uh, the DM can say, you feel like this room, there's something wrong. So you can say, I search for traps or I search for hidden doors. Uh, a good way I will put it is Han Solo saying, I've got a bad feeling about this, is his natural perception, or that would be a good answer to a perception check. I have to say, <laughs> though, that I don't buy that. And my question is, do you know anyone who is very perceptive, who is bad at searching, or vice versa? <laughs> So, like, when I think about very perceptive individuals in fiction, I think of, like, Sherlock Holmes, right, was super perceptive, and he always found clues, so he was also obviously a good person, like, good at searching things, and to me, those are hand in hand. His ability to perceive things was also his ability to search for things. Your example is the super person, the yeah. super <laughs> genius. Well, Holly, so, so what I'm asking you for is, and Greg, maybe you can speak to this. Do you have an example of someone who is perceptive, but bad at searching or bad at searching who is also perceptive? You know what I mean? Like, do you have an example of someone who is good at one and not so good at the other? Because I think for a lot of skills that like I can see someone being good at sleight of hand, but not so good at hiding themselves, you know? So, Greg, why don't you go ahead? Sure. Um, I don't know if I have a an example in fiction off the top of my head, but to me, um, I think someone could be... Someone who's, who, could, who is an expert at searching could just be very thorough. So, you know, all right, uh, let you think about you do a search pattern on a woods on like a, whatever, a square mile of woods, you know, uh, you break it up into sections, you have certain people assigned to this. Um, and then you go through meticulously. So I could see how someone who's meticulous could be very good at searching and dealing with a lot of data or a lot of physical things and, and going through them all, but maybe wouldn't notice the goblin coming up behind them, you know, so I could see, and, now, if this were the original playtest skill system, 
then I would agree with you 100%, James, because then that would be a wisdom perception versus an imperception. I'm with you on that. But since it's not, I think they should be divided because of those reasons. Well, let me just say that I think when you're talking about meticulous, for me, for me as a DM, that sounds more like, okay, you have a lot of time if you're being meticulous. So you're not actually good at searching. What you are is you are taking 20 in game parlance. You know, mm. which to me is still mm. that's a skill. And if anybody takes 20 there and takes their time and is meticulous about something, right? If you climb and you're meticulous about it, you have more time to do it. If you're climbing and there's goblins running up your butt, you better hope that maybe you're trained oh in it or the, <laughs> uh, or the, uh, or the, or that the cliff is easier to climb, you know, that kind of thing. Vegas, what do you think? Uh, I'd like to quote the playtest pack its own description of these two skills to show you why they should be the same skill. Uh, <laughs> search is de- described as when you look around for clues that point to a hidden object, such as a secret door, then under perception, uh, making a check, uh, ba to spot things that are obscured or easy to miss, ba ba ba, such as candlelight under a closed secret door. <laughs> uh, Alex Basso, how about you? Uh, I think the fact that we're even having this conversation is more than enough to to combine these two. Um, I mean, if you just look at the list, I don't really think you could you could really have this argument with any other two skills. Like they're all separate enough that you wouldn't think of any crossover. Um, And I mean, search to me seems like it's probably the most specific of all the skills on the list. And, and, you know, it could be just put into perception. I concede. Get rid of the list. Get rid of the list entirely. Vegas just destroyed me. I got nothing. Get rid of the list. (laughs) It almost looks like they've got intelligence and the skill sets, and they wanted to put something into intelligence that wasn't remembering something from a book. Or imagery. Uh, Which is the lamest thing ever. (laughs) I roll a check to see if I remember something I read once. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and also, you know, Constitution gets no love. There is no, no. skill related to Constitution. Yeah. Oh, Where's endurance? endurance? Yeah, I liked endurance. I thought that fit perfectly. Yeah, that makes perfect sense to me as a thing you would be doing on a grueling adventure. Just kind of as a sidebar, has anyone ever actually used endurance checks and like this grueling kind of thing? Because I love it as an idea, but I'm just curious if any of you have ever actually had it come up in play. Yeah, definitely. Uh, not my character, but our warrior Ray used to make endurance checks all the time. You would use it uh, to challenge someone to a drinking contest or to uh, show how impressive your body is. Um, <laughs> okay, I can dig it. Arm wrestling. I use them a lot in 4E when people are in planes that are harsh. So when people are in the abyss and they're traveling from point A to point B, I'll have the party make checks, and sometimes you'll lose healing surges based on failure or success. I also use them for disease. Uh, you're supposed to use them when someone is infected oh, yeah. with a disease. So, And disease is pretty prevalent in my campaigns in 4E, as much to many of the players who are bad at endurance's chagrin. So... <laughs> 
That's why it's always good to have a healer. So why don't we move on and talk about our final topic for today. Uh, but it's a big one, which is rules modules. What sort of rule modules do people want to see in D&D Next? We already know feats is a sort of rules module you can play with or without them. Uh, skills will probably be a rule module that you can play with or without. What other things do you want to see? There have been hints of tactical combat modules, uh, an alternate spellcasting system, alternatives possibly to ability scores, or even a classless system. What sort of rules modules do you want to see? Why don't we begin with your friend and mine, Alex Basso. Uh, I'd say the main kind of rule changes or modules I'd like to see are more tactical combat options. Uh, I love flanking. Uh, facing, I haven't actually used, but I like the idea of it. Uh, unfortunately, I know most Ugh. of the people in my group Ugh. probably would not be facing. But, um, you know, maybe one day I'll find, you know, people who are into war games and in-depth tactical combat and we could we could go all out with all those modules. And I like being able to add complexity to the entire combat system. <laughs> uh, what other rules modules do you guys want to see, Greg? Like a, like a whole regional strategic scale for uh, combat and everything. Maybe like a province kind of system, rules for higher level play. You know, once you get, once your fighter gets his keep and all that stuff, some, some ways to describe the interactions between the different powers. Yeah, I absolutely want to see rules for downtime and gathering followers and that kind of thing. And I would all love to see some epic level handbook or something that comes out, even if it's not at launch, eventually, where you can take your guys to level infinity and become superheroes and be really BA. I would... <laughs> Love to see that. So how about you, Rudy? Any rules modules you would be excited to see? I think it would be interesting if they ditched ability scores and just went with the modifiers. I I, I actually I, hear what you're saying. The ability scores don't factor into gameplay nearly as often as the modifiers do. Yeah, so I don't necessarily... I guess you need to roll to determine your initial ability score, but I don't understand like you can just start everyone at zero and then your modifier builds based on what class you are. I think you can just work off modifiers. The the classic six ability scores, you know, the classes, um, that that's so crucial to D&D to me. I mean, if at you don't have point, those... Though, in this iteration, D&D Next, yeah, they're, they're historic or whatever you want to say, but... Do you need need them? Do we need them? Oh man, that's so, it's so hard to be objective. It's so hard to be objective about this <laughs> I know, because I know. I think I kind of feel like you're right, but that's that's always been D and D. You know, I'd love that, to see wizards make some sort of giant move like like that and be like, "Listen, guys, this is D and D. Next, things are different." <laughs> but I I think that might uh, alienate a lot of the community, as Greg is showing us with his. Uh, frightened way of <laughs> possibly accepting. Hold on to the past. <laughs> I think that I think that D and D next was all about trying to embrace everybody and find the classic elements of D and D, and that's why they ha had the big play test and everything. So I honestly would have loved to have seen a classless system, and I would love to see that option still because wow. 
I don't want it to get too bogged down in what it used to be. I want it to continue forward and be something new. If you're going to put out a new edition, I have to agree with Rudy the Radical over there and say that if you're going to put out something new, put out something new. Um, You know, and that's, I would really like to see at least those options. I think it's good that they're in the core games. Can you build on that? Yeah, I think that a lot of times, and especially in what we're seeing, and granted it's just a playtest, so we're not getting the whole picture, but I think that, for instance, they've talked about you're going to have the ability to design your own subclass. You have the ability to design your own background. You'll probably have your ability to design a feat if you want to. I think if more of that was actually, uh, you know, I think a classless system where you pull from different abilities to make a crazy fighter mage guy rather than having to multi-class or create a fighter mage class is pretty cool. You know, a classless system where you have a guy who is just good with fire magic and also really good at using a whip to me is something that's great for an advanced <laughs> player. You know, I granted that's not my dream character. It actually sounds kind of crazy, but I I think if you have a cool idea like that, it's hard to fit into what they have now and then keep up with the pact of the rest of your party with the guy who's playing the ranger. You know, because you have to take all of these other things, uh, you know, all of these other abilities that don't specialize in whip and fire magic, you know, Um, and I would like to see it a little more classless, maybe almost like if you want to compare it to a big RPG, the Elder Scrolls series, you know, Um, which have, they have classes, but you really sort of build your guy, uh, customizably so i'd like to see that as an option i don't want to see that as the sole thing going forward but like you said rudy it's new show us some new stuff i would love to see that eventually uh vegas what do you think yeah well i think classes are pretty core to D. you know when i think of D, i think of a party of a a fighter a cleric a thief and a, a wizard going out and going on adventures together. Uh, but I, I would agree that an advanced player might not want to take uh, a, a traditional route that's in a book and build something a little different. It'd be nice to have some modules or some guidelines for, hey, if you want to play an alternative style or class of character, you can do it. And here's the template for the math and the abilities you need to take to make him comparable to the players that are going to make characters out of the player's handbook. Um, I'd really like to, I I have an idea for a character who's like a fighter, but he only uses improvised weapons because he's taken an oath (laughs) not to own a weapon. And I was looking through the, uh, uh, the current iteration of the playtest packet and I have no way how to, no idea of how to go about that. Um, given the scheme of rules that we currently have. Of course, there's going to be more stuff coming out. Yeah, and that sounds like a lot of fun if you're using only improvised weapons. You know, the bar fight, obviously, there's a lot of things there, but what do you use in the (laughs) wilderness? And what do you use in the lich's lair? And are you picking up a strange alchemical item and bashing it against somebody's head and seeing what effect it has? That, to me, is a lot of fun. Greg, what about you? What do you think, man? I think it'd be kind of hard... 
to do some of these really out there stuff, like getting rid of ability, maybe not ability scores as much, but getting rid of classes. And Vegas really hit the nail on the head because the real troublesome bit would be how do you make this so you can play with other people, right? It's modules. So you need to have a common core and then build stuff on top of that. If you take stuff out of the common core, how do you, how do you deal with that? How do you make it so it, everyone can still play together? Or, oh, I, I can drop my character into this game and you use the tactical rules or not. But if Vegas drops in his amazing concept to another game, how does that work? You know, and I'd also like to point out that so far Rudy has advocated getting rid of ability scores. He agreed, I think, with getting rid of classes. Once hates the paladin outright. I might be putting words into his mouth there. Outright. No, you're right. <laughs> and wants to delete all the skills. So what do you like about D&D, Rudy? Where, what do you want to keep? Sitting in a circle talking. <laughs> I just want people to hang out with me. <laughs> I, uh, I think, Greg, to your point, yeah, I think those would have to be decisions made by the DM and all of the players at a table, and it would be harder for somebody to drop in, and I don't think they should be part of the core or even part of the first product that you're presenting to new players but it would be cool to see something like that come out eventually and then if you are playing with a more advanced group saying to them guys why don't we try this out but maybe what i'm talking about then is playing mutants and masterminds or a different system altogether you know and that may be the wizard's response is if you don't want to play D, play another game which also makes sense uh, and I am seeing a lot of cool options in Next. I'm very excited for it to come out. I don't want to sound like a naysayer, and I don't think Rudy comes off that way either. I think we're just talking about and what it would be joke. cool to see. You know? Ikea, Ikea. <laughs> uh, are there any other comments about this before we wrap up? I just want to say, Vegas, your improvised weapon fighter sounds like he's going to do a lot of search checks. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> wow. All right, guys. Uh, Rudy, where can people find you? Uh, you can check me out at Twitter, Rudy Basso, R-U-D-Y-B-A-S-S-O. Hey, see some funny sketches at my sketch comedy group's website, cowscomehomecomedy.com. Also, right. want to give a shout-out to a really neat indie game called Speedrunners. Go play it. <laughs> that is awesome. Vegas, how about you, man? Where can people find you? On Twitter, at Vegas Lancaster, or any Friday night in Philadelphia with the N-Crowd Improv Comedy Show, phillyncrowd.com. That's awesome. Greg and Alex, you still don't want to be found. Well, actually, um, if you want, I don't have any fancy Twitter handles or nothing like that. But if you would like to read about some Gerpsy adventures that I've been having, um, my buddy Peter runs a Gerps blog over at dungeonfantastic.blogspot.com, I think. Dungeonfantastic.blogspot.com. Gotcha. Yep. You can read all about Greg's adventures over there. And you can find me on Twitter at James Intracasso. That's J-A-M-E-S-I-N-T-R-O-C-A-S-O. 
Thanks for listening, and thanks to Greg, Vegas, Alex, and Rudy. Also, many thanks to Jeff Greiner for letting us join the Tome Show lineup. Our theme music was composed by Eric Michaels. Don't forget to visit thetomeshow.com and use the affiliate links whenever you shop on Amazon or D&D Classics to help support the show. You can also leave us a comment about the show on the Tome's website, and you can also weigh in there and let us know. Perception and search one skill or two. So keep on rolling and keep on listening to the round table.